please be seated. Well, church, we are really blessed to have Pastor Andrew come to share God's Word with us this morning. So would you make Andrew feel really, really welcome as he comes to share with us. Well, good morning, everyone. It's great to be with you. And uh, if you're visiting us, uh, some visitors here, welcome. It's great to have you. Uh, Other visitors, well, we are in a series at the moment called Teach Us to Pray. And what we've been doing is looking at the Lord's Prayer, working through verse by verse uh, throughout it, uh, learning what we can about prayer and how God is teaching us to pray. If you were in small groups this week, you would have been super encouraged by the way God powerfully works through prayer. It is incredible. Um, I, I particularly was encouraged by a story of a man in London walking to work when within him, the Holy Spirit urged him to be praying, to be praying for protection, praying for those around him. He just, for an hour, he walked those streets praying. He'd never usually do this. And then it was only later that night that he realised that at the exact time, time that he was praying for those, that city and around those streets, a terrorist was also driving those streets and was about to commit a terrorist attack and did. Um, commit a terrorist attack at that time and lives were saved. God moves. It's incredible. Uh, The reality that God moves through our prayers, that, that history can be changed, situations and circumstances can be changed because of our prayers. But just as powerfully as we know that, we also recognize that there is a mystery in prayer. And a mystery, we, we can't understand prayer. Why God answers some prayers and why God does not answer other. There's, uh, there's no formula. I mean, whenever I pray, God does not answer my prayer all the time the way that I want it. And it might be, well, it is a very good thing that that's the case. Um, in the, the movie Bruce Almighty, it sort of gives a bit of an image or a picture of this where Bruce becomes God and then he just presses yes to all of the prayers that are prayed and everyone who prayed that they would win the lottery all of a sudden won the lottery and they won a grand total of $16. There's a sense that we don't understand why God answers some and not other prayers. Uh, The last two Tuesdays, um, I've thought about this in the context of our staff team. We're sitting around the lunch table on a Tuesday. There's two pastors amongst us that have signed up for a -a five-a-side soccer tournament on a Tuesday night. And each Tuesday, the last two Tuesdays, if you're aware, rain has been coming and one of them is a bit younger and he's so keen to be playing soccer. The other one is not as young. And actually he has recently planted a new lawn, turfed his uh, lawn at home. And all of a sudden he's grown this love for turf. And he's talking about how it's growing. It's so amazing. And he's been praying for rain. So one of them is praying, oh, I wanna play soccer. The other one, I'm sure, I haven't asked him, but I wonder if he's praying for rain for his turf. Which one's God gonna listen to? Well, of course, the senior pastor, it's rained. It's, it's rained the last Tuesday, last two Tuesday nights and they haven't played soccer. It just shows the picture that there's a mystery in prayer. There is a mystery. We can't always understand what God is doing. There's a story, a Chinese legend 
This man, Sai Wang, lost one of his prized horses. His neighbour came and expressed his deep sorrow for his loss. But Sai Wang was unconcerned. He said, who knows, it may have even been a good thing for me to lose my horse. Surprisingly, the lost horse returned home with another horse. As the neighbour congratulated him again, Sai Wang said, well, who knows if that might be a bad thing for me. As it turned out, his son broke his leg when he was riding on the new horse. This seemed like a misfortune until the army then arrived at the village to recruit all able-bodied men to fight in the war. Because of the son's injury, he wasn't recruited, which ultimately could have spared him from death. This Chinese story reminds us that there's difficulty in, in discerning what God is doing, that sometimes our challenges and trials are a blessing in disguise and vice versa. And you know, when we are crying out to God, when we are asking God to move on our behalf, when it's a Tuesday night soccer game, it's not such a big deal. But when we come before God and we are praying that he would heal our chronically sick child, when we are crying out to God to heal someone that we love, maybe a husband or a wife or a child, and he does not answer that prayer, God does not intervene, that's difficult. When we are praying and we're praying for a life partner and God doesn't seem to be answering. Others might be praying for children. Others praying for their financial situations. Praying for loved ones to come to know Jesus. These situations and circumstances are difficult. And actually they can be faith shaking. We might equate saying, well, God loves me. I know God loves me. God is able to do it. He's able to heal. I know he can heal. He can work in this situation. So if God is not, does it mean he doesn't love me? Does it mean that God is not there? Or maybe there's a problem with me. Maybe we then conclude, well, it's not a problem with God. Maybe I've done something wrong. Maybe it's because of something I've done and then we become loaded with condemnation and guilt. These things can be faith shaking. And as we look at this topic today, a topic of unanswered prayer and the, the little verse, your will be done. I wanna encourage us not to necessarily ask the question, God, why are you doing this? But the question, where are you, God? Where are you, God, in this situation? What are you doing in the midst of this situation? I read something that I found really helpful. It said, we might not be able to change the situation at times, but we can change the way that we relate to it. And I pray that God might help us in that today. So let's have a look at the, the Lord's Prayer in Matthew chapter 6, 9 to 15. And as we have other weeks, let's read it together. It says, this then is how you should pray. Let's read with me. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, 
your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. And today we're gonna look at that little line, your will be done. And the first thing I wanna look at is the order of this prayer. And some of you might have noticed that we've changed the order according to what it is in the prayer course. And there's a reason for that because it, it didn't follow the order of this, these verses. And, God, and Jesus, as he prayed this and he was teaching us to, to pray, it's a significant and intentional, the order of this prayer. It starts out saying, our Father, we're invited into this beautiful relationship with God to see him as our perfect father, a relationship of love, of intimacy that we're invited into. And then he says, hallowed be your name. Your name is holy. Your name is above everything else. It's an act of worship and adoration. We place him at the center. We place him in the highest place. Your name is holy. Hallowed be your name. Then it moves to your kingdom come. Your will be done. God, you're the king. You're above everything else. Your kingdom come. And then you'll see the verse that we're looking at today is like a fulcrum. It's like a hinge where everything else changes off, off this verse. When it says, your will be done, then there's a move in the prayer. It's been all about God and his place and his kingdom coming and us surrendering. And then we start to hear things like us and our. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us, lead us, deliver us after the worship, after his father, after we've come to a surrender, then it moves into this sense. And today as we look at the topic of unanswered prayer, and firstly, I just wanna just talk about that. I, I actually wonder sometimes, even the term unanswered prayer. There are prayers that we pray that not, might not be answered right now. I spoke to someone last night who prayed, or whose mother's prayed for 60 years for her father to come to faith. And his, the father gave his life to Jesus in his final weeks of his life, 60 years. So it might've seemed like an unanswered prayer, but it wasn't an unanswered prayer in the end. Sometimes we have to wait. There are prayers that I've prayed that I'm glad that Jesus has never answered. I may not have married my wife, Natalie, if, if he answered all of my prayers. <laughs> I may not be a pastor, I might not be doing what I'm doing now if God answered all of my prayers. If I was setting the agenda for my life, sometimes, or maybe always, God knows what is best for us. And it's, always, it's not always answered in the way that we might expect it to. But when we look at unanswered prayer, we see that it's a bit of a clash of the will, of wills. This verse is saying, your will be done. Unanswered prayer is when I think differently. When I might say to God, this is not what I thought was going to happen. God, this is not what I would have written into the script of my life. I've continued to ask you to change this, but it's not 
changing according to the way that I would want. There's a clash in will. And I want to acknowledge here this morning, and, and the Greenbridge Joel and Courtney's story is a perfect example for us. Sometimes these times we're crying out to God are painful. No one wants to lose a child. Praying, God, what are you doing in this situation? No, no one wants to see someone suffer. Say, God, what are you doing? God, would you not change? Would you not intervene in this situation? It's difficult. And I want to say that this morning. Life is tough. Life brings us situations and circumstances and trials that we would not want for ourselves and that we ask God to take them from us or to intervene. And as we look at the place of prayer and how we pray in those situations, we can know that Jesus has been in that place. You might remember Jesus' prayer, not my will, but yours be done. Jesus is in the hours before he was going to the cross to be crucified, he went to the garden of Gethsemane. I just wanna read that little passage for us here this morning. And Jesus said to his disciples, sit here while I pray. He took Peter, James and John along with him and he began to be deeply distressed and troubled. My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death, he said to them. Stay here and keep watch. How, how often can we read this and think, well, that's Jesus. I mean, he can handle that. Uh, now, this, this is Jesus. His soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death in this moment. Going a little farther, he fell to the ground and he prayed that if possible, this hour might pass from him. And he prayed, Abba, Father, Everything is possible for you. Take this cup from me, yet not what I will, but your will be done. Jesus is overwhelmed to the point of death in deep, deep anguish. And it actually says he throws himself on the ground praying to God, crying out to God. I wonder if you've been in that place. God, crying out to God. God, in deep anguish. And what we find here is the Son of God wrestling with his Father's will. He's wrestling, he's crying out. He doesn't want it. He knows what's ahead of him. The, 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 the cross is ahead of him. He's been rejected by friends. Those that are with him have fallen asleep and not support him. He's alone. And then there's the spiritual anguish of knowing he's gonna be separated from his Father as he takes the sins of the world on his shoulders. And he cries out and he wrestles with the will of God. And I'm sure amongst us here today, there are people who are wrestling with God's will in their life, crying out to God, God, why? Why are you doing this? Why are you not doing this? God, take this cup from me not being able to understand what God's doing in that situation. And the first thing I wanna to say to you, you, you have a savior who knows. A savior who knows that wrestle, 
A saviour who's been there in anguish crying out to his father. And I wanna say it's okay to wrestle. It is okay to cry out to God. It is okay to express our pain, to express our disappointment, our frustration, whatever it might be, it is okay. And God understands. I think of the the words Isaiah wrote about Jesus. He was despised and rejected by mankind, a man of suffering and familiar with pain. That's who Jesus is. And he empathizes with our weakness. And I believe that as we find ourselves in this situation, we can learn a lot from how Jesus prayed. The first thing Jesus did was he came to the Father. In those, those times, it, it's sometimes it's easier to isolate us, ourselves or to, to not come to God, but he comes to the Father. Not only that, he gathers others around him to be praying with him in that moment. That's a great thing for us to do in those moments, to pray with people. And then we see how Jesus prayed. And it's interesting that the way he prayed actually mirrors the, the um, Lord's prayer itself. He says, Abba, Father, Abba, Father, the intimate love of the Father. He comes to his Father and he anchors himself in the love of God. God, I'm struggling, I'm in pain, but God, I'm anchoring myself on your love in the midst of this. He doesn't doubt the Father's love in that moment. He then acknowledges the power. It's like adoration or worship. He acknowledges God's, his father's sovereignty that you can remove this cup in any moment. If this is possible, he knows it's possible if he wanted. So he acknowledges his power. But then he requests, then he places his petition. And this is what we can really learn. I wanna encourage each one of us with today. Jesus poured out his heart. Take this cup from me. This is the son of God wrestling with the will of God. Take it from me. He pours out his heart. He gets real with God. Like real, just God, take this cup. He falls down on his face in the midst of anguish. Father, I don't want it. Throughout the Psalms, we read that it is okay to pour out our hurt, pour out our pain, maybe confusion, to just bring it to the heart of God. And that's what Jesus does in that moment. He pours it out before him. God's not afraid of that. It doesn't show a lack of faith if you're hurting or that, that you need to be more faithful. No, no, it's okay. The son of God poured out his heart. The son of God asked that it might be changed. And notice here that you know, Jesus is sinless. It wasn't his own sin that, that meant he was suffering. You know, this was God's will in his life. And then in the final part of the prayer, he comes and concludes with surrender. Not my will, but yours be done. That's where he finishes. I trust you, God. I might not understand that. I don't want it, but I trust you. I love you. And I know you love me. And he comes in that place of surrender. Let us not mistake God's silence for him not being at work in our lives. 
Let's not mistake God's silence with him not being at work in our lives. In this moment, we have the Son of God crying out for change. Nothing is happening, and yet it is the greatest work in history. Jesus is saving the world. Salvation is coming. Humanity is being reconciled to God. Redemption is coming through Jesus in this moment. But the hand of God seems like it's not moving. God seems silent from heaven. If, if God is seemingly silent in your pain, I want you to know God loves you. God is in the midst and he is at work. A great verse that has encouraged me so, so much is from Isaiah. It says, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are your, my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. Sometimes it's just we don't understand. And I know it's difficult, but we can understand that God is in control. God is at work in that situation, even if we don't understand it. When I first became a Christian, I remember on reflection, um, thinking, I just found like the, the key to life, which, which I had, but I had wrongly thought that, well, if God is now on my side, everything is gonna be sweet. Everything is just gonna be clear. I remember, I just thought, oh, well, this is amazing. I'd encountered God and I thought, wow, it's all on up from here. But the longer I walk with Jesus, I realized that following Jesus is not necessarily a life free from suffering. Actually, Jesus said you will have troubles. You look at the life of Jesus. You look at the life of Paul. Persecution, jail, beatings, shipwrecks. The trials will come in our lives. But trials and suffering in this life does not mean that God has deserted us that God is not listening to us. It is, it is these times when we need to press in, these times that we need to pray. There's a little verse that I found that I'd never really noticed before that sort of spoke into this and it's Paul writing to the, the Colossian church and he says, Epaphras, who is one of you and a servant of Christ Jesus, sends greetings. He is always wrestling in prayer for you that you may stand firm in all the will of God, mature and fully assured. It's in these times that we pray. Pray for ourselves and pray for others. In the midst of it, we wrestle in prayer that we might stand firm in the midst of what God is doing through those challenges. In Romans 15, 30, it says, I urge you, brothers and sisters, by our Lord Jesus Christ and by the love of the Spirit to join me in my struggle by praying to God for me. We, in the midst of the struggle, we pray, we seek God, we ask that he would work in the midst of the struggle. So what's God doing? So if God doesn't remove us or remove those challenges, what is God doing? Well, when we look at the way Paul prays, we see something of what God does in the midst of these challenges. As we look at the way Paul prays for the early churches, there is a distinct and and surprising lack of prayer for these troubles to be taken away. If I was praying for the church, I would say, oh Lord, give them freedom, take away the oppression, take away the, the suffering. 
But Paul prays differently and surely there's something for us to learn here. Paul doesn't pray so much about the external circumstances around them. He prays about their lives and their their knowledge of God and the internal journey of the heart. Let me just read one of these prayers from Ephesians. This is Paul's prayer for the, the church in Ephesus. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being. Can you see the the inner prayer, the inner strength that he's praying? So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. No mention of the challenges, but a, a honing in on their heart and their knowledge of God. He wants them to know God, to know the fullness of God's love in the midst of the trials. He prays for a deep inner work. And I know, and as I looked at that and I reflect on my own prayer life, I know how often I pray for those externals and there's nothing wrong with that. Like I pray for my kids. I pray that they would have great teachers. I pray for that they'd have great friends. I pray for all of these things in their life. But how often do I pray that, oh God, would they know the depths of your love? Would I know the depths of the peace that you give, that internal thing that will hold them in good stead despite whatever happens in their lives, this inner journey. That's what Paul is praying for them. There's a deeper way to pray and a deeper way to live something greater. Paul is praying in the midst of the struggle, may you know the love of God. Maybe hear that today, whether you're listening here or even online. May you know the love of God, the depths and the breadths of the love that he has for you. May the Holy Spirit come and strengthen you in the innermost place in that time of struggle. May you know the grace of God, the freedom of God, the peace of God in the midst. For these things, if God comes and gives us these things, if we know them in him, they will supersede those external things in our lives. And Paul knew that himself. As I said, he, he suffered greatly. But he writes this in 2 Corinthians 1, 8 to 9. He said, we were under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure, so that we despaired of life itself. Indeed, we felt we had received the sentence of death. And he says, but this happened that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. Why, why did he, he, he experience these trials nearly to the point of death? He says, well, this is what I conclude, that God is helping me rely on God rather than ourselves. There is something greater for us to experience. That's what Paul's praying in these prayers. Another way just to illustrate it is the story of a four-year-old boy who has a toy truck, maybe in the sand pit, and that truck is broken and he brings it to his father, upset. The, the, 
it's one of the most important things in his life at that moment is this truck. And coming to his father crying, the father says to him, son, I've got some very good news for you. I've just got this letter in the mail. It's a legal document. And you have just inherited $20 million. $20 million. Your uncle has died and $20 million is yours. Now we all know who would ever care about the truck if you've just inherited $20 million. But for that kid, that envelope means very little. I just want my truck. My truck is broken. I need a truck. And the disappointment for the child is that in that moment, he does not realize the fullness of the inheritance. And I speak to myself, I'm hearing it as I preach it here now. I don't realize the fullness of all that God has done for me in Jesus. And if only I would understand that, my truck would not matter. My external would not matter if I fully grasp what Paul is praying here, that you know the height, the breadth, the depth of the love that God has for me, that Paul can be nearly at a point of death and say, well, God just wanted to show me to depend on him, that I have all that I have in him. God, would he help me know that? That I look to, pray for all of these other things when in my hands is an inheritance that I cannot even grasp the beauty of it, the fullness of it. God help us, I pray right now, help us to understand how great you are, how great your love is, how great your good news is. And I wanna pray for us now. I wanna encourage each one of us in your trials, in your pain, in those unanswered prayers, press into God that you might know him more. Don't allow those trials to lead you away from God, but press into God because he wants to reveal himself to us as faithful, as true, as loving, as kind. It'd be interesting to hear Joel and Courtney's stories as they pressed into God and they see God in the midst of that, being brought low in those moments. May we be people who turn to God to experience him in his fullness. So we have this, this point of God bringing us to a place of surrender and trust in him. God wanting to work internally on us to realize that he is the greatest treasure. And then thirdly, there's some external purposes that he works in our lives. Psychologists have done studies and they realize that people can undergo significant pain if there is a purpose. You just need to go to a local gym and you'll see that. <laughs> you'll see people there on a treadmill going through significant pain, but there's a purpose behind that pain. Having a baby, it's a painful process for, for, the, for the wives there, but there's a purpose at the end of it. <laughs> so, so God does have a purpose in our pain. And I, I, I wanna say now that like sometimes... You know, if you were in deep pain, you wouldn't even want to hear that. And, and I acknowledge that, that the pain is a journey. And, and we have to work through that. And I don't want to be glib in any of these statements at all, but I want you to know that God never leaves you. He's always with you. He's always at work.
I think it's really interesting that Paul, at various times I read, you know, he would pray that he would be released from prison and he was miraculously released from prison. And then in Philippians, I read that he was stuck in prison. In Philippians 1, we read this. Now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. As a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace garden to everyone else that I'm in chains for Christ. Here he's not released, but here he's saying, well, God is using this, even my chains, he is using this for the advancement of the gospel. God is still at work. And in 2 Corinthians, he speaks of the comfort that God brings and how we can comfort others through these times. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all of our troubles. Let me just read that. Who comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves have received from God. God is with us, God comforts us, and he uses us to bring comfort to others. On Friday, as I was preparing this message, I thought I would go to the op shop for a coffee, great coffee, I can recommend it, I spend too much money up there buying coffee up there, it's good. I was doing that, I walked up, and there was this massive crowd and a line up, and I thought, oh, maybe I'll come back later. Um, But then I looked around, I saw the group that was there getting coffees. And it was the church's Naomi's group. I'm not sure if you're familiar. Some of you will be familiar with the Naomi's group. It's a group of widows within our church that gather together and encourage one another and pray for one another. And here they were. And I thought to myself, if anyone is gonna know something of unanswered prayer, it's gonna be this group. I've thought it actually. Uh, I know the blessing of marriage and my, my wife to me. And I've thought, what, what a loss when you maybe have loved someone for 60 years and God takes them from you. I think, God, these, these people would know about loss, grief. What's their experience in the midst of that? And as I asked them, I, I spoke and one of the ladies said to me, the first thing when my husband died, the, the grief and the loss hit me like a bus, she said. And she said, actually, it never goes. There's still grief there. And God hasn't miraculously taken that. She said, there is still grief there. But she said, I know I'm never alone. I know that I'm never alone. Do you know what Naomi's group, I didn't know what Naomi's group, the the, the Letters meant, but they have a saying within that group, never alone, our master Messiah is sufficient. This group of widows, never alone, our master or Messiah is sufficient. What an incredible statement. And she said, you know, I am never alone. We share stories amongst ourselves of walking through our houses, just talking out aloud to God because he is with us. She said, I've never known the closeness of God like that. She said, you know, it's in practical things the the ladies will share. When there's something that breaks in the house, who do they turn to? They usually rely on their husband. They say, well, Jesus, it's you and me. (laughs) Here we go. And they have seen God to be faithful 
in those moments. It's led them to a deeper dependence upon him. She said, God helps us in ways that I never would have experienced beforehand. Beforehand, we depended so much more on people, but now we are forced to depend on God. She said, Satan, Satan tries to snatch away our trust in God, but we stand on his word, God's word and his promises. He will never leave us. He will, ne- he will always help us. And it's incredible as I listen to her share her story. I thought of the purpose even. Two of these ladies, widows, thinking, you know, God um, encouraging them to set up a group like this. And now there are 20 to 30 ladies experiencing the support and the love and prayers of others. What purpose through their loss? They've got people in that group that were, were never going to church that are now reconnected with church. They've got people in that group. There's one that they've been praying for two years for a son who's been caught in addiction. And just on Friday, they were celebrating that he was going to church again. They're praying for one another, seeing God work. They've got two Buddhist ladies that meet in their midst as well, listening to all of these stories and being prayed for. And amongst them, they take up their offerings to give to Syrian widows from the Syrian war. Incredible, isn't it, what God is doing in and through their lives, through a time of loss and grief and pain. I was gobsmacked, maybe, I don't know what words to put on it, when she summed up her statement and she said to me, you know, I know this is why my husband passed away, that I would know Christ more and so I could be involved in this ministry. That's her words. I think of the the Bible and stories similar. I was thinking of the story of Joseph. Just last night, looking in the children's book of this picture of Joseph being sold into slavery by his brothers. And it's just got this, this boy looking back at his brothers there, knowing they're sending him off. He's in chains going off to Egypt and just thinking of the rejection. This is my brothers who are selling me into slavery. Joseph then goes into Potiphar's house, he's wrongly accused and finds himself in prison. This is, this is a godly young man who believes or God has given a promise that he would use him and yet he finds himself sold into slavery in prison. What are the prayers that he's praying? What are his unanswered prayers at that point? God, what are you doing? Where are you, God? But you know, as you, you read through that story, there's a statement that comes up The Lord was with Joseph. In the midst of it all, the Lord was with Joseph. And if we reflect on that story, we see that God was working out his purposes in Joseph's life. God was building Israel, saving Israel, building that nation. Not only was he working in all those situations, he was working in his heart. I see that picture of Joseph looking back at his brothers who had rejected him, sold him into slavery. And then to think that many years later, Joseph was able to say to these same brothers, what you meant for evil, God meant for good, to forgive them. Not only has Joseph or God worked through Joseph's life externally creating or, or moving according to God's plans and purposes, He's worked on Joseph's heart that he would know the love of God and the grace of God through all of those trials and challenges. 
And I wonder, as I look across this room, actually, I, I think there would be many, many stories of people like Joel and Courtney who said, I don't know what you were doing, God, but today I stand and you're faithful. People who have prayed prayers and it seems like God was silent, God was not working, but as you look back, you say, God, I know you're faithful. You're faithful, God. Don't always understand things, but I know you love me. And just as an act, I guess, just to acknowledge that fact that this is who God is. I wonder if we would just put up our hand. If you've experienced God in this way, just raise your hand high. God, even though I haven't understood it, even though I don't always understand what you're doing, God, I proclaim you are faithful. I wish I could sit and hear and record all of these stories, but we have a faithful God. We have a faithful God, a God who is with us, a God who loves us. Thank you. But I do wanna pray this morning for those that you feel like you are in the wrestle right this, this moment. In the, in the middle of maybe pain, you, you can totally understand that moment Jesus prayed and said, God, take this from me. It might be a, a prayer for healing. It might be a prayer for someone you love. It might be in your own life, something that you've struggled with that you're saying, God, please break through in this situation. Well, this morning, I'd like to pray for you too. Actually, we can all be praying. Well, let's pray. And actually, if, if, if there is something specific that you know that you know, you're wrestling with God or maybe you're wanting to take this cup or intervene and it seems like he's not listening, I just pray you just hold out your hands just in front of you there, just close your, your fists uh, in terms of, you know, you know what it is there that you're really wrestling with God with. Well, God, we firstly, we, we pray in the order of the Lord's Prayer. We thank you that you are our Abba Father. We thank you that you love us, you care for us, we're your dear children, Lord. We thank you for that reality today. We thank you, God, that you are powerful, you are able, you're the creator. Nothing is impossible for you. And Lord, you know the prayers on the hearts of each one. You know maybe the pain or frustration that might be connected, Lord. And even now, you might just cry out to God, even some of the pain and frustration, whatever it might be, you can cry out to God. But Lord, our true desire is that we might trust you. And, and if you're at the place, you can do it this morning and just encourage you to open up those hands and say, in, in this situation, Lord, your will be done. Lord, your will be done. God, would you move in each one's heart? And Father, we pray that Lord, we would experience you, the fullness of your love. Lord, make that known to each one. You have not deserted anyone, God. Lord, show your love. 
show your peace, the peace that transcends all understanding. Strengthen, Lord, I pray. Strengthen in the innermost parts, I pray. Lord, I pray that you would help us and to stand upon your word, to stand on your truth. And Lord, we do. We do recognise that you're a faithful God. Lord, you are good to us. You love your children. You are for us. You're working out all things for the good of those who love you. Lord, we are so thankful that whatever we are walking through in this life, we never do it alone. Not only do we have you, Lord, we are in a family here, Lord. We have others to walk with us. Lord, I pray your blessing upon each one. God, work out your good plans and purposes in each one of these situations, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Would you stand with me? I'm gonna continue to worship. And it's a song celebrating the goodness of God and the faithfulness of God. That He is faithful, He's forever faithful. So let's sing it, sing it knowing that God is faithful. In your situation, just continue to express God's faithful in the midst of it. Let's sing and worship together.
do want to say this morning, if you've come today and you, and you long to know the presence of God, His love, you heard that this morning, I've never known that person in my own heart. Well, I want to invite you to come on the service or if you're in that place and you just want someone to pray for you this morning. Um, we're not meant to do the journey alone. God rescues us, saves us, puts us into His family. We want to pray for you this morning and bless you. Um, to help you to experience more of His love and presence. So some of our prayer to me down the front here, they'd love to pray for you today before you leave. But let me pray, ask God's blessing on us as we head out. Lord, we thank You for Your presence with us today, Lord. Thank You for Your nearness. Thank You for Your love and Your comfort ministering to us here, Lord. And I pray now for Your blessing on each and every one for this week ahead, Lord, as we leave this place. Thank You that You go with us, great God. We can know Your very presence with us by the power of Your Holy Spirit. And so, Lord, be so near, Lord. Continue to use us, Lord, to minister your love and your comfort to others as well, we pray. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. If you're online and you'd like to reach out to, you can email prayer at bridgman.org.au. We'd love to pray for you as well. But God bless you. Thanks so much for sharing with us. We look forward to connecting with you again soon.